0: That's, we, we would not be here without mom, right? We need mom. So we, I was just out of Milwaukee last weekend, a time with my mom. Her birthday was yesterday and Mother's Day, so she has you know, all kinds of exciting things happening in her life. 83 years old. Hey, we're moving along in Philippians. We're starting chapter 4. Have you enjoyed the series going through? It's a, it's a powerful letter. There are so many... Uh, of those kind of t-shirt quotes that Paul gives, and we're going to talk about a couple today. But I want to ask you, what if I told you there was a way through life's ups and downs, all the challenges, all the changes that we encounter, what if I told you there's a way to pass through those, every one of those, so that in the end, you wind up with triumphant joy? You wind up with a deep enduring peace and your faith settles in a rock-solid spot would you be interested in that does that sound inviting to you triumphant joy not situational joy when things are good you know I'm good not that kind of a thing not the kind of peace that is just the absence of conflict it's a it's a peace that passes understanding in, in a rock-solid face so that you don't find yourself going up and down. And Paul, the wise and old sage, is going to tell us how we can live that way in just two words. That's all it takes him. Two words to tell us. Let's have a look. It says, "'Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends.'" See, what Paul is talking about is this idea of standing firm. He wants us to stand firm. He wants the church that he planted 10 years ago to stand firm. He wants soldiers of faith that really endure all kinds of situations. And my goodness, this man's he's known ups and downs, has he not? I mean, he's been beaten with rods three times. He's been shipwrecked three days and three nights. He's been stoned outside the city. He's gotten back up to go and started preaching again. He's been rejected by his own people. This guy knows what it's like to be tossed around in life. And yet he's saying there's a way for you and I to stand firm, rock solid. So the question is, is how? How Paul do we do that? What does it really look like? How, how, how can we have this rock solid faith? Here come the two words. He says, I plead with Udia and I plead with Senteki to be of the same mind in the Lord. Notice the same mind. A lot of English translations miss this. But if you look at the Greek text, it's right there, for Neo, it's mind. It's your mind, and it's a huge deal. It's, it's, it's how you think. So today, I want you to think about how you think. Are you ready? Did you all have coffee? Because <laughs> this, this text, you, you want to think about how you think. Because how you think about situations, how you think about yourself, how you think about God in those situations is huge. It determines how you will or will not posture yourself. It determines if you'll pass through with peace that passes understanding. It determines whether or not you'll experience triumph and joy depending on how you think. And this is what Paul is concerned about. And he's figured out over these years that it's got to do with how you think, your mind. And when you start thinking about this word mind, it's all over in Paul's writing. One of the things he tells his student, Timothy, he says, listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And remember when we were reading that to my kids, when my kids were kind of where Brendan's kids are, and our son John said, what's a sound mind? I said, that's a great question, John. I thought about it for a moment. I said, I think the best way I could tell you what a sound mind is, is a sound mind thinks thoughts that sound like Jesus. And you want to ask yourself the question, is that what goes on in my head? In the privacy of my own skull, what do my thoughts sound like? So in this passage, he's, he's talking about two of the people that have helped him, Udia and he, he's He's urging them, but listen, I just want to say... That Paul would not write a public letter to embarrass two people. That's not Paul's style. Can I get an amen on that? That's not how the apostle rolls. He's not, he's not writing a letter to address us one single situation. What's happened to the church after ten years is they're struggling with some areas, primarily complaining and arguing. And the way the way Christians do complaining and arguing usually is very under the radar. It's just that, it's kind of that nice complaining and arguing, you know? And here in Minnesota, we know, Minnesota nice. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so he's urging these two great gals, I think, not because they're bad gossipers, not because they're sinners, but because they're excellent leaders. These are, these, these gals, these, the Macedonian women were not like many other women in that, in that epoch of time, Macedonian women, you can go back in historical records, you can find women who led armies. These are not your normal girls. They, they we were involved with politics. We know that Lydia was involved with business. She was a wealthy gal. And so these gals, Paul's is recognizing th- these, these gals are leaders. They're influential. And he, he's, he's saying, listen... I, 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 want, I want you guys to lead in this. I want you to step out and, and, and be different. I want you to be excellent leaders. And he restates what he said back in chapter 2, which is really important. Let's go back there. He says in Philippians 2.5, In your relationships with one another, do what? Have the same mindset as who? Woo! Woo! Game on. Can you imagine that in your relationships, all the time, every relationship you have, you would have the same mindset as Jesus. And if you go back and you look at chapter 2, you see what, what, what Paul lifts up as this example on the mindset of Jesus. He humbled himself. He wasn't worried about his place. He knew his place was secure with Father. He didn't worry about that. He wasn't striving for something. He didn't have his own interests in mind. He had yours in mind. Can you imagine if our new goal in life was to get low? I'll get under you. I'll support you. I'll get behind you. I'll have your interests in mind. And I'll do it like Jesus does. Ooh, I'm not getting many amens now. I've gone from preaching to meddling. But think about this. See, Paul is saying, listen, in our relationship, it needs to be marked with the same mindset, the same attitude as Jesus. And the reason we don't do this is we lose our minds. Literally, we lose our minds. We lose track, and I I want to talk to you about this. Now, Udia and Syntyche, this is not a Corinthian situation. They're not sinning. They're not doing naughties. They're leaders who are trying to lead. They have led with Paul. They're good women. They're plugged in. They've been faithful. They're working hard for the kingdom of God. So it's like, Lord, what what is it with these ladies? So I, I just, out of curiosity, I thought, I wonder what their names mean. I wonder what they mean. So I looked up in several different uh, Greek dictionaries. Udia means to guide or direct well. Synteki, on the other hand, means fate or chance. And they're working together. What do you think could be the possible disagreement? (laughs) Any ideas, congregation? You have someone who is into Excel spreadsheets, tasks, timelines, let's organize, I want a 1, three, five, seven, 10 year strategic plan. And then you have some it's like, let's wing it. Let's be crazy. Do you think they're going to have some ministry problems? Right? Now, I know it's hard to believe, but Brendan's a little bit more on the spontaneous side. I I know, I know, many people are just amazed when they hear that. And so, we were, we were talking about the Hearing God class, and Sharon and I are, are wired similarly. We, we, we don't have to have a ton of script, but we need some script. You know, but Brendan, Brendan's script is inside. When he does those target walks, he incarnates the word. He really does. He has an outline, but it's on the inside. We can't access that. We can't say like, "Open up wide so we can see that outline of yours." You know, it, it doesn't work. So we want to have something that's that's visual, that's right here that we can see and follow. You know, and, and so we're we're in the youth room talking about it, and, and, and it's one of these udia sinteki moments. Spreadsheet means swing it. (laughs) And you know, here's something that is so important, you guys. I'm just getting real with you now. This is so important. Do you realize that the most important thing to Jesus is not to get stuff done? It's got you thinking, doesn't it? You're like, what? That's not the most important thing. When Jesus is getting ready to leave, he's emphatic. And he says, a new command I give to you, I want you to get stuff done. Did you ever read that? No. What does it say? How? As I have loved you. So when you're in that ministry moment, and and you have your style, and you have your groove, and you have your way of doing things, the goal is not to get stuff done. The goal is love one another like Jesus loves you. So what's happening is Udias is saying, whoo. I, you should see I printed out I got task timelines, Sinteki you're going to love this, I know exactly what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it and who you're going to do it to do, 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 do. and Sinteki's like I don't think so I don't think so so what do you do in a moment like this? Because if, if you're really trying to do the work of the Lord and you're really trying to do how do you have the mindset of the Lord? Because what can happen is you think someone's got to give in. Husbands and wives, you've had practice at this. And see, what you feel like has to happen is oh if I I guess I just gotta let you do your thing and it's like, no. But you feel like you're exiled, like you're out of the picture. Don't I matter? And you've lost your mind, because that's not what Jesus says. You do matter to Jesus, don't you? okay, good morning, people. (laughs) Repeat after me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Okay? (laughs) So, you know, but you do, you you discount yourself. Or the person ticket can kind of just rule over. But you have to keep in mind that when Jesus is in the picture and you're aware, it's a different deal. You can say, Lord, what, what do you have for us? And then out of that, the Lord begins to stir in your heart, and you realize that you, you you've submitted yourself. See, the idea of Jesus in Philippians two is he's humbling himself; he's submitting himself to Father, not as I will, but as you will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And in that moment when he submitted, there's a flow that can happen. I then really can love Sinteki like Jesus loves me, because I'm mindful of Jesus being in the picture. And what happens when, when we, we aren't mindful of Jesus in the picture is we, it's, your, it's my way or the highway. Or you, you pull out. I can't tell you how many people I've seen leave churches or churches split because they have not had the mindset of Jesus Christ. Seriously, it kills me. I just talked with someone this past week. Unbelievable what they're fighting about. And it's stylistic things. Get the mind of the Lord. Could we stop and ask what Jesus wants? And that's not Paul's mindset. Think about what he's been through. Think about the bad break. He's in jail. Why? Why is he in jail? Because he's done something good. He's delivered a woman from demon possession. That sounds like a pretty good thing to do, doesn't it? And then the town turned on him and said, oh, this guy's thrown into the chaos. Then he gets beaten and he gets thrown into the prison. He and Silas. Not just in the prison, but in the worst part of the prison. Where the big, fat, ugly rats are. There. And why Paul is there, Acts 16, you can read it later. We read it at the start of the series. Why he's there, Paul was grumbling and complaining. Oh, God, where are you now? I do something good, and look at this mess I'm Why does this always happen to me? Don't you care about me? Didn't you see I did something for you? Where are you? Is that what he's doing? Long about midnight. What's Paul doing? Key boys. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. You see, he in the moment it'd be so tempting, and isn't it true? I'll tell you. In those moments, that rendition wasn't Paul. That's Spencer. Man, I can complain a blue streak. And and, and it's amazing how my theology will shift with what's happening to me. And when there's an injustice, oh, I thought you were the God of justice. How can you let this perversion of justice go on to your servant? (laughs) You see, in this moment, Paul says, I've got to get my mind in the Lord. What are we going to do, Silas? Silas. Let's sing that song in the river. Let's get Scott Sterling on the guitar. You know, and they're jamming. What happens, people? What happens? Jesus does jailhouse rock for the very first time. They're set free. And you see, out of this mindset, what, he, what, he, what he's telling the, the Philippian bunch is he's saying, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what happened to me actually served to advance the gospel got a whole different mindset he does it over and over and over again you get people that know if they go out preaching they're going to get Paul in trouble he's chained to guys these these Roman soldiers and the Roman soldiers don't want to be chained to some crazy Jewish preacher it was the worst job you could draw if you were a naughty soldier that's your job you got to go be chained to someone in jail because that means they're in jail that's not fun. That's not a good job. There's not a long list of people waiting for the union to get them in. Right? This is not fun. So what happens is when these people are preaching out there and they're stirring up the trouble, these guys don't like it. Ugh. What does Paul say? He says, I, I, he goes, listen, after I get my mind in the Lord, I don't really care because at least the gospel is being preached. What? What? Paul has written, and he knows, that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is what, people? Life and peace. Which do you want? The mind governed by the Spirit. Now, what is the mind? What is he really talking about? And this is important for us to understand. What do you think the mind is? So many people think the mind is your brain. That's not true. Your brain is an organ, like a liver, like a heart. That's identifiable in a location. The mind is a process, resident throughout your whole body. That's why some people will think things. Some people will feel things. Some people will walk in a room and not notice. Other people walk in and go, there's a weird vibe in here. Something's funky. It's because their mind is gone. This is why when sometimes they'll talk to someone who's troubled, and you say, I, I try to tell them something lovingly, and it's like it hits their head and goes, bang, off to a side. It's because their eternal grid, their mind, has got a twist in it. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You could say to some people who have been wounded, their mind is twisted. Their mindset is bent. Their process is bent. And so the way that they see themselves, the way that they see the world, the way that they see their God, it's got a funny twist to it. And this is why Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. By having the same mindset as Jesus. To think the thoughts that Jesus thinks and your mindset has a huge impact on your faith and practice and this is what I really want you to think with me in the privacy of your own heart and head think what do you do when the wheels of your life come off what do you think this guy is thinking do I have time to call mom write a will you see, most of what happens to us in life is we think we're going along in life and all of a sudden the wheels come off. and It's like, how did this happen? And I don't know. There's all kinds of things I hear people say in these moments. All kinds of things. One thing I hear, I hear some people say is, you know, when they come in and they're sitting down in the counseling room with me and they say, Mark, the wheels of my life have come off. And I'll ask them, well, what's the, what's the clearest thing that God is saying to you? Oh, God. What? We 're going to start there, well, I kind of would like to, but <laughs> where do we need to go and, and you know and talking to some people they have a, this, is the, this is their mind, this is their thought is some people are superstars. Oh the Apostle Paul's a superstar. he got like weird DNA, something happened to him, like he got too much radiation when he was in the hospital or something, and, and he's just he 's like a freak show on feet he 's the LeBron James of Christendom that's not true is it people no paul's he says follow me because he's just another human being on this journey with jesus so sometimes we'll just dismiss ourselves say i i'm not i can't do that i'm not a superstar some people will say to me well i'm not a very good christian what does that what does that mean talk to me other people will come and they'll say i'm a loser it's just, it's like I'm born under a bad sign or something. I, I'm just a loser. I, no matter what I do, it just seems to fall out. And if that doesn't get them something like this, oh, I must deserve this. I must have done something wrong. There must be some reason why God is just torturing me. Oh, the joy of shame. Hmm? There must be something defective with me. This is, I, I, I kill myself over this one. When things come off, when the wheels come off in my life, I am I'm always looking, there's got to be some nasty sins here somewhere. There's got to be something that's got God so mad at me that he's just tormenting me. I don't think I'm alone in that. But here's the devil's favorite option to mess with your mind. He loves for you to say God doesn't really care. Oh, he cares, he cares about Brendan, but not me. No, if he really cared, this wouldn't be happening. Now you see what you're doing? You're allowing your circumstance to transform your image of God. What does God say about himself over and over again, Old and New Testament? I, the Lord, do not change. You see, when you're thinking with the mindset of Jesus in that moment, the wheels have come off. That's a change. Does it hurt? Yes. Is the road, are you just careening down the road recklessly? Yes. Has God changed? No. And when Paul's in that jail for no fair reason, when he suffered unjustly, he does not allow that to transform his image of God. And don't you either. Paul elaborates in Romans 8. He says, nothing by any means shall separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. He talks about persecution, peril, sickness, life, death. He talks about all kinds of things. Nothing. But in that moment, if, if, if you allow that situation if you allow your thoughts about that situation to shift your perspective, God, you're losing your mind. You're losing your mind. And when you do that, you say something like this, I can't do this. And you're finally thinking right. I can't tell you how many times in ministry I'd be in there and I'll tell you, I can whine something fierce. Woo! I can just complain. Lord, what about this and that and talking about it. And and then, you know, I remember when I was playing the church in River Falls, I thought, oh, God, you brought me here to kill me. I can't believe you're, I don't even know anyone in River Falls. I'm going to die alone. They'll probably float me down the Connecticut River. No one will even care. That's the kind of whining, silly stuff. And then I'll, I'll usually, I'll start to get Tuckered out. God's just waiting for Spencer to get out of breath, which takes a while. And, he, and usually, w- w- when I, I've just had my rant, I'll say something like, <clears throat> God, I can't do this. And then I'll be quiet. I can't tell you how many times I've said, God, I can't do this. And you know what I've heard from Father? Finally you see. I didn't ask you to do it alone. I want to do it in you, through you, with you, alongside you. I want to walk with you. I want to lead. I want to accomplish it in and through you by my grace. And you see in those moments what Paul's doing and he's going to say it in this chapter later on this is what we need to say we know we're in the right mindset when we say I can do all things how? How? Through Christ. Who what? Strengthens you. Whose strength? Christ. You don't sound too confident. You see you need to convince yourself you need to preach to yourself I don't know if Brennan mentioned this, but we're going to, is it okay to mention about the Psalms? I am now, but. (laughs) I mean, the next thing we're going to do is talk about posture. How, How does the psalmist posture himself in God? Because so many of the Psalms, I love the Psalms. If you want to watch a really interesting video go to YouTube and and, and look up Eugene Peterson and Bono Talk Psalms, and you'll get this wonderful video of this old, wise and pastor. Eugene Peterson is my favorite pastor of all time, the guy that wrote the message. And this rock star Bono, and they're talking about the Psalms. And when Bono first started reading the message, he was so impressed. He actually sent Eugene Peterson a video message thanking him for his work. And so Eugene watched him. When he got done, he looked at his wife and he goes, who in the world is Bono? (laughs) He had no idea. Months later, Bono contacted him to have lunch with him. He declined. He said he had a more important date. He needed to meet with Isaiah because he was translating Isaiah for the Message Bible. And here they're finally sitting down in the table of his home and they're talking the psalms because both of them agree. Here's this wise and old pastor and here's this front front man for a big rock band that spanned the decades. And they're both agreeing the same thing. The reality of the Christian life is best taught in the psalms. Oh, the psalmist just cries out, God, where are you? I'm afraid. I'm coming to pieces. They surround me. They torment me. They accuse me. Where are you? And he pours out his heart. And then as a result of pouring out his, all of a sudden then, he begins to turn his mind. The Spirit of God lifts his head. Lift up your eyes onto the hills and see from where your help comes from. It comes from the Lord. Come on, psalmist. Come on, Spencer. Come on, congregation. Come on, Bridgewood. Where does your help come from? It comes from the Lord. And you can do all things through him who strengthens you. And when you can stand up and walk on that, you have the right mind. So as I close, would you pray with me? I want you to prepare your heart for the offering, of course. So many times we give because we feel like we have to. But I think what God really wants us to practice is the kind of generosity he wants us to realize he has. He loves to give to us. He loves to see us trust that and let our giving flow out from that. And not only that, but in the offering time, there's a good space before the band comes, and we're going to do communion today too. I want you to think about your thinking. What, What are you holding in your life in a way that you think, I don't know if my thinking's right there. A place where maybe you feel like God isn't concerned, or God doesn't know, or God doesn't care, or maybe you're beating yourself up. I deserve this. Oh, this is just another sign that I'm a loser, that I can't get this. None of those things are the mind of Christ. So in this space that we're going to have now, in this prayer and in this worship and in this communion, you have an opportunity to say, Lord, I want to open up my head and my heart. Help me see you. See, that's, that's the Paul is always saying, get in him, find him. The reason soul care works is because in a, in a memory, in a moment, in a prayerful setting, These people that sit with you help you find Jesus. And that's what your heart is craving. It all changes when you see Jesus. And he's here. He's here. So, Lord, in this moment, we open up our hearts and minds. We open up the journal of our life and we say, Lord, come in here. And if there's a mindset that's causing us to drift from you, to hide from you, then begin to work and open up our eyes that we could see who you really are. And we will give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Amen.
1: heavy chains, wipe away every stain. No, I'm not who I used to Scripture that says that we should sing a hymns, spiritual songs, psalms, and a new song. And that new song is Tehillah, and it's a, a Hebrew word for singing a new song that is from your own heart. It's not something that's up on the screen. It's not something that uh, we've written out. It's just something that's on your heart. So I want to encourage you in this, that it's, it's a scriptural thing for us to do that, just to sing melodies that come from our hearts. That's another scripture that we would make melody in our heart unto the Lord.
2: we yeah. yeah.